everybody. I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 76. Yes, episode 76. And today we will be getting to the Green Lantern core issues 53, 54, and 55. This is finally. Yeah, really. This is uh the Weaponer storyline. Um the first three parts of the Weaponer storyline. Uh with the brightest day banner. These are written by Tony Bedard, um, uh, drawn by Tyler Kirkham, and inked by Bat. <laughs> yes, just Bat. Yeah, but before we do that, um, Happy New Year, everybody. Oh, yeah, Happy New Year. This is the first episode of the new year. And it could be a failure, but we'll try. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Probably also important to mention that for Christmas I got a bunch of new recording instruments, shall we say? And uh, this is the first episode that we are testing them out. So if you hear any like sound issues, it's uh, it's going to be attributed completely to that. Uh, if uh, if there are any sound issues, then uh, there's other sound equipment that I got for Christmas. That we'll be putting into play also next episode, so uh, hopefully it'll be it'll get better. And, hopefully, yes. Now, now as we are on the new year, um, we uh, due due to like scheduling and whatnot for the past, I would say, couple of months actually, uh, we've we've kind of fallen behind on what we really you know should have been covering. I would say. Where I don't know what are we like six issues, seven issues behind with the Green Lantern main series, Chad? Yeah, yeah, that's that's bad. But uh, <laughs> right right now we're gonna catch up with Green Lantern Corps. Uh, next episode, you're going to hear me and Dan. Actually, Dan is coming back to talk about Green Lantern the main series. Uh, it's either going to be four issues or six issues depending on when Dan gets his DCBS box. Who's Dan? Dan Kurtzke. I don't know that name. Oh, please. I haven't heard, out of, I haven't heard of him in a while. Yeah, out of everybody, you would have heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually, the uh, people that subscribe to us on iTunes or have checked out the website will have uh, also by now heard Dan's like side thing that he's doing for the Lantern cast. He's going through the Mosaic, the Green Lantern Mosaic series, issue by issue, and uh, there's going to be an episode of that each week in addition to the, you know, regular episode of the Lantern cast. So last week it was it was the only episode out, but, uh, like, you'll have another episode this week and, you know, another episode for the coming weeks. Dan's actually uh, got, well, episode 75 was the Lantern Cast longest episode, and Dan's Mosaic number zero was the Lantern Cast shortest episode. So <laughs> Nice little bookends back to back right there. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> okay, so why don't we start, and uh, I'll give a synopsis of Green Lantern Corps number 53. Go for it. So this starts off with the... You know the weaponers of Quard. Uh, it's focusing in, focusing in on the the weaponer, uh, this this main villain that was introduced either 
I don't know, last issue, an issue or two ago. And he's he's forging Sinestro's yellow ring. He's forging the very first fear ring that was uh, created by uh, slowly extinguishing an entire species on a dying planet. It, it took that much terror to create the ring. And uh, Sinestro takes the ring, and uh, you know that was a while ago. Now we flash to present day, and uh, you know you have uh, Ceranic not to you know doing a fight off in space, and Kyle is on Korrigar, and uh, he's saving the residents of Korrigar, who dress surprisingly similar to modern-day Americans, which I thought was mm-hmm. odd. But, uh, you know, he's he's kind of requesting some backup, you know, to, to save these people. You know, Saranic has to wait a little while. When, uh, so, so Kyle gets the job done. And uh, he's approached by a couple of Sinestro Corps members. Some we know, some we don't. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of want to fight with Kyle. And just before they're able to do any fighting, the Weaponer makes his way in, smashing one of the Sinestro Corps members in the, well, head and torso, making him go splat. And uh, he then proceeds to take on Kyle Rayner. Who you know he, he goes up against uh, the Weaponer with this giant battle suit of armor. The Weaponer's shield and hammer kind of start acting together to uh, re- re- reconfigure the the hammer into this like weird gun that shoots out this starfish kind of thing that destroys Kyle's armor. Kyle doesn't know what to make of it. He rebuilds his armor. In comes Saranic Natu, and uh, he he creates a weapon to to ner- knock her out with that uh, shoots energy hornets or something. <laughs> that that knocks her out unconscious. Kyle is getting his ass handed to him by this guy. Kyle gets a couple of shots in, but uh, yeah, no, this this guy's about to basically kill him by chopping his head off with his shield. He tells him, if you want to save Saranic, then bring me Sinestro. And uh, then he teleports out of there. So Kyle, you know, he heads over to Earth where Sinestro is. And uh, he says, uh, listen, this this dude has your daughter. And if we don't get over there, like, right now, then uh, he's going to kill her. And uh, Sinestro is basically like, you know, eh, whatever. I don't care. Go away. And Kyle's like, we have to do it now! And it punches him in the face. And that's where we leave off. Yep. <laughs> what did you think of the issue? Um, I, I gotta say, uh, mi- mixed mixed feelings on the issue. I I concur wholeheartedly. <laughs> you were talking about how the how they the Quardians look a lot. Well, not yeah, the Corrigarians. Sorry, looked a lot like uh, Earth. Their their dress and demeanor looks a lot like Earthlings. Yeah. Uh, I, not only that, but their buildings and their transportation and everything. Yeah. I could I couldn't tell this was this was Korrigar. Yeah, and actually, you you can't even tell. No, they they're flesh. They're not red skinned. Yeah. So this is basically Earth. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. That's that's a little weird. I will. I will say two things. Two points I wanted. I will. 
there's a third, but it's going to require discussion. But uh, two points. The artist did a really good job, Tyler Kirkman. I, I really like how every time Ceranic uses a construct, it's a medical thing. Yeah, well, Tyler Kirkham. Kirkham, yeah, sorry, my bad. But, uh, no, yeah, no, that that's that's definitely cool. I like that. Yeah, she's stitching up the space whale thing. She's flying around space in a giant needle. She's using scissors, everything. It's really, I really, I really like that touch. And, um... The uh, the other the other thing I wanted to say was this is probably one of the best Kyle I've seen in a while, and let me tell you why that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> because about halfway through the issue, or a little more, Kyle's dialogue starts sounding uh, like a whiny bitch. Yeah. Like, when he goes up to Sinestro, Sinestro, they've got her. you got to come with me right now. Yeah. It's Serenic. A, a big Quardian took her. He called himself the Weaponer. He sounded like you knew you. He whipped me like I wasn't even there. Then he kidnapped her. Help me. Yeah. And people, that's the actual dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, this this issue, I mean, aside from, like, the slight Koragarian, you know, aspect, uh, up until... Like this, this weaponer is just like you know. Okay, if you want her to live, stop struggling and do exactly as I say. Understood? Like, like right after that, the the whole you know tone of the issue just goes like you know. Okay, like we're living in Scooby Doo land, and it's like, whoa, oh, what happened? It it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense for for a Green Lantern in general, but for Kyle especially. Yeah. I think even Ceranic knows that Kyle's being a little bit of a bitch, because <laughs> I don't I don't know if you noticed, but when uh, when he calls her, he's like, "I got a minor emergency on my hands," and she goes, "Me too," you know. Now you promised you'd wait at home for me, so whatever it is, I'm sure you can handle it, right? Yeah. Well, one of the one of the the interesting things about what she was doing was uh, it's a a lunivore. <laughs> you know what that means? What? That means that this is a creature that eats moons. <laughs> like, I, I was thinking about Lunavore. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm like, well, wait, Lunavore. Like, Luna means moon, and, you know, Vore is like an omnivore. I'm like, that's sick that they created, like, a moon-eating alien just for this issue. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, like, that that was, that was one thing that I was, you know, I don't Okay, I can understand like something you know of really big proportions. Maybe you think you need help, but like realistically, he was able to to you know stop the train and save everybody himself. So you know, I don't know, I don't know why he would you know request assistance for that. I don't know that that, that is a little a little odd. Yeah, I think it's odd that they created a Sinestro Corps member just to destroy him in the next uh, page <laughs> uh one with no brain no less <laughs> i mean like he basically served as a, a punchline of a joke and that's about it <laughs> speaking of things that happen for no reason well i guess it depends on what you actually think about this what do you think of the fact that this shield can create random like can scan somebody detect their weakness and then create a weapon to go against them. Does that work for you, or does that seem convoluted? Okay. Now, 
this is this is a kind of a major point of contention that I have about this character. Now, as as the weaponer, like it's his, it's it, he's he's gifted with the ability to see anybody's weakness and create a weapon based on that. You know, he was able to create like he was the most gifted, so he was the one that they they called on to create Sinestro's yellow ring. I, that that part works for me. That part I think works very well. But this concept of the shield that scans the the enemy, figures out what their weakness is, and then based on that configures the hammer into whatever he needs. Like, well, then you could really give the shield and the hammer to anybody, and it would do the exact same thing and it doesn't need to be on this weaponer. It's like the, the the coolest thing about the weaponer is that he has this mental gift to come up with weapons. And so the weapon that they've given him completely throws that out the window and doesn't rely on it at all. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like why would you why would you make like such a gifted enemy and then never rely on his own gifts. Like just, oh yeah, and by the way, here's a shield that can scan and create anything that can defeat you. I, I mean like it's such uh it's such a you know, a god machine that's like completely based on magic and they're never gonna explain how anything like this works. Because you couldn't. It's basically like he's making wishes. He's making a wish you know, oh, I wish to know what his weakness is, you know, and there it is. It, like, it, that, that part doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if he looked at Kyle's armor and, you know, and he said into the shield, like, you know, okay, that's a level, level 7 armor, you know, go for code, you know, 724. And then from there the the hammer transformed into that you know weapon that you know shot out and destroyed the armor like that would be perfect that would make a lot of sense because that would mean that like he had to program all of these different weapons into the shield you know and he's the one that's you know assessing the threat level and then you know creating the weapon based on it yeah you know, i think putting it in the hands of the shield is just lazy storytelling it's it's not only that, but um, let's k- k- think about where the energy itself is coming from. This this weaponer found the net that Dead Man created when he went up against the Anti Monitor, and the whole basis for this net is the fact that whenever the White Lantern creates a construct, it sticks around. Now, you can clearly see that he's got this net around the back of the of the shield. How in the hell? Because he he was obviously not able to mold it or anything, or else he would have. How does he just string the net to a shield and somehow get the the net to obey him? And not only that, how does he get the net to create another construct? The net itself is a construct. How does he getting a construct to create a construct? <laughs> I'm not sure, and. And on top of that, like, is by him creating these constructs, is he using any of the white energy or is he just 
you know, like, like, is are they just saying that, you know, the white energy is just being used to configure, and not actually create anything, so it's not going to use up any energy? Like, I, I don't really know what they're going for there. I mean, the the little bubble says scanning and then reconfiguring, so I don't know if it's. I guess it's actually just reconfiguring than creating something. But you would still think that that would require some energy. This is, I mean, the net is the energy of life itself, so maybe it doesn't require, take as much energy as we think. That makes me wonder something, like, total kind of tangent, but how how involved is Jeff Johns in this storyline? <laughs> Like, is there like a brightest day, here's the White Lantern, how it works and everything, Bible? Or is Tony Bedard just going off on his own? I I think that, well, isn't Jeff Johns have like a, a level of a creative editor? I, I think so. I'm not sure. Um, either way, I I would imagine that Jeff Johns gives, you know, Tony Bedard and, uh, how can I not... Completely blanked on his name, Tomasi. Yes, I, I'm sure that he gives them like, you know, um, a basic outline of what's going to be happening, like what coded figure is, and like basically like the, you know, the truce with Atrocitus, like stuff like that. So Tony Bedard probably comes up with like a plot line that he wants to come up with, and he runs it by Jeff Johns, and Jeff Johns is like, oh, that's great, go with it, you know. And then they hope that when the story's all written, everything works out. Yeah. Oh, overall, do you actually like this? This this issue, I guess. I would say, well, okay. Overall, I enjoyed the art. Oh, definitely. Hey, oh, and guess guess who's back? Who's doing the coloring? Nay Rufino. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah the the colorist is Nay Rufino. Oh, cool. I just know that that makes it infinitely better. The art infinitely better, in my opinion. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I I like the art a lot. Oh yeah, you could definitely you know see the awesome coloring on that uh, Lunavore. You know, it, it starts out pretty cool with Kyle and Ceranic, You know, each doing their own mission. You know, I like the interplay with the the Sinestro Corps members. I mean, like, I while I'm not completely sold on this Weaponer and his his magic wish weapon. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I kind of like the fact that there is, like, a serious threat, you know. I, I didn't like the fact that Kyle became, like, a little bitch. <laughs> that was that was pretty crappy. You know, or the fact that he was just completely dispensed with, you know, that easily. You know, so easily that he, like, basically went running scared to Sinestro. I, you know, I mean, like, this is, this is like, a 50-50 issue. You know, some of it was good, some of it was just, uh... I tell you what I do like, you know, because I, I mentioned the art on Earth, the Greenwich Village Halloween Parade. Mm-hmm. Like the the people that are in costumes, like you can actually make out like what some of the costumes are supposed to be. Yeah. Do you want to hop into fifty four, or is there anything else from fifty three you wanted to cover? No, I think that's it. Oh, oh, the uh, the one thing that I also wanted to mention was when when I went to the comic book store, like. I saw issue 53 and I'm like, oh wow, that's 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 a cool cover. I'm like, I'm definitely, you know, interested in seeing what they're going to do with this weaponer and uh you know, I I'm I'm definitely curious about Tyler Kirkham's art. And then I see the Patrick Gleason cover 
And I'm like, ah, looks like I'm buying the variant for this one. <laughs> have you have you seen it? No, I haven't. But I did. Speaking of the cover, I just realized something that may play into the whole storyline. I don't know if I like I didn't pick up on this before, but you've got the issue in front of you. You're looking at the cover. Check out his arm. There's a chunk of skin missing. I didn't think anything of until I realized it looks like the shape of his hammer. Well, well, no, I have the variant cover. Oh, well, I don't know. Can you see it? Um, in the uh, yeah, in the issue when he's going after well, when he smashes uh, the alien in the torso and head, you can see it very clearly there. Yeah. What do you th- you think that has any significance? I would imagine so. I mean. You know, that's definitely uh, the Weaponer's hammer symbol. I, I don't know why I didn't notice. I mean, I noticed it before. I just thought, eh, big burly guy, been around for quite a long time. Of course he has a chunk of skin missing. Why not? Oh, that would be interesting if he has to sacrifice some of his own life or skin in order to get the shield to work. Ah, the the shield only affects the hammer because the hammer was made with a piece of his skin, and this is... The power of life. I don't know what kind of tie I'm making there, but I think there's one somewhere in my convoluted thinking. That would be interesting. I mean, like, it still doesn't explain <laughs> how talking to the shield, you know, make me, you know, but the, really, like, whenever they create, like, a wish machine like that, it's just, you know, that's lazy storytelling, I think. Yeah, but you you have to give them props for tying everything in together. I mean, because all the Brightest Day banner books really have nothing to do with Brightest Day, except for maybe two of them. And if they do have something to do with Brightest Day, they're based really loosely off. I I like how they've they've tied the fact in that, you know, the the White Lantern construct net that Dead Man created is the basis for this guy's weapon. You know, the the, the tie that's there that exists outside of the fact that this book involves Green Lanterns, you know? Now, before we move on, I just thought of this. I don't remember if I've ever read the origin of Sinestro's ring. If if you have, how far did they they take this away from what it originally was? I'm not actually aware of an origin for the ring other than the Weaponers made it for him because they hated the Guardians. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's that's the extent of it. That you're because the, the Guardians wanted to bring order throughout the entire universe uh and they're from the anti-monitor you know anti-universe um you know and they they are all about chaos you know they wanted their own champion to fight against order yeah you want to take 54 sure brightest day green lantern core number 54 we pick up right where we left off last issue kyle is in the middle of a fight with uh sinestro and they take it all down to the streets in the middle of the uh in the middle of the, the crowd there at the Halloween party, and possibly the best uh, thing in this whole issue is Sinestro takes off his ring and starts to fight Kyle, and the energy bubble says, fisticuffs enabled. <laughs> they start going off uh, at each other. The, the fight is going on. Uh, Sinestro clearly wins, and Kyle runs away with his tail between his legs. Ceranic is over at the Weaponer's place, and he's working on some more tools. She tries to arrest him, but it turns out he already took his his uh, her ring from her. He 
delves into explaining who he is and uh, everything about the uh, his origin, pretty much. Um, how Sinestro came looking for the ring and he created it for him. How he how he was supposed to do something for the, for the uh, the Quardians, but instead brought the Anti Monitor and everything. And the he was outcast by by the the Quardians because of all the the chaos he causes as a result of his teaming up with Sinestro. He tells her that he's holding a ransom to bring Sinestro to Quard so he could face him. Cut to Oa and Kyle is talking with Hanu and and Budrika and John and Ganthet and um, Ganthet uh, kind of recognizes who this is and we cut to the Weaponer talking with uh, Ceranic some more and he's got a detector in there that says there's a dimensional incursion detected. He thinks Sinestro's coming to face him but instead turns out uh, Kyle has shown up on Quard and he's brought Hanu, Boudica, Ganthet, and John. And um, we leave off there. <laughs> How was that for a synopsis? A little quicker? <laughs> yeah, that was definitely better. All right. <laughs> what do you think? I like, I, I definitely like the fisticuffs enabled. <laughs> that was the best thing ever. Uh, and if, if, if Kyle was written a little better, I would think, or, you know, maybe got a few better hits in than the ones he did. The, uh, the full page, the, the one page splash of him punching Sinestro in the gut, telling him that Batman taught him how to fight. That, that might have a little more weight if the very next page didn't show him getting beaten into the ground right after that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like realistically, like, you know, Kyle should have gotten a good, you know, a good one in there before you know you know sinestro decide to show him mercy yeah you know if it was two to three then the the batman scene would probably hold a little bit more weight it's like yeah batman showed me it's like oh how sad for him to have you as a student (laughs) but uh once again like uh the this this background with all the different characters like You've got a knight from uh, Monty Python search for the Holy Grail. I don't know, like holy sheesh, what? Boba Fett is in the background. Oh yeah, Boba Fett on the page before that. <laughs> you got a guy up and down. You have Johnny Bravo. <laughs> oh my god! I just realized all of this stuff. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Dude in a banana costume. Um, it's peanut butter jelly time. On the next page. Like that that woman standing next to Sinestro. She's asking him, where'd you got your costume? Yeah. Um I'm not sure who she is, but she's definitely somebody. She's hot. Probably from Image. But uh I think that I think that's Dungeon Master next to I'm not really sure. Uh, somebody. It's somebody. But yeah, like like that kind of thing, that's that's one of the things that I absolutely love about you know, about what you can do with the backgrounds in comic books. Yeah, it's it's it, it's cool. I uh, I don't again, the art is awesome. The and the fact that Nerofino's cover coloring it just makes it that much better. I mean, I I guess I like the backgrounds a little bit more when there's like easter eggs there. Yeah, there's the costumes and stuff are cool to see. But whenever you like um I don't know if you ever actually watched the uh the animation version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the one that came out very recently. 
is just called TMNT. I don't think so. It, it there's not a whole lot of like Easter eggs in there, but at the very very end of the movie, you can clearly see like the you know Shredder's helmet, and you can see uh, from from the from the third movie the little time staff and stuff in there. Like if if there was stuff in like the the weaponers. Um, castle or whatever that I mean that would have been a perfect place to throw like stuff from old issues that only like a devoted fan would see whenever we've seen the Quardians or something yeah but it's instead it's just kind of like a scholar's place you know like um, you know I don't know what I'm saying yeah yeah no I, I know what you're saying I do I, I get it um, I mean I think I think he did a great job like Making it look like uh, like a scholar's workshop kind of thing, you know. You know what it actually you know, reminded me of. It, it kind of looked like something you would see in like Leonardo da Vinci's, you know, place. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. The the double page spread where you see Ceranic trying to arrest him. That little thing above her head that looks like a da Vinci design. It's very interesting, and the you know I, I like the the telling of his origin. It's like you almost sympathize with him. You, you, you kind of think it's like, oh, it's like this guy got such a bum deal and all he wants to do is take his, you know, payback for Sinestro. The one thing in the, the flashback when Sinestro comes up to him, it kind of looks like the, the hammer is carved out of his skin there too. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's just uh, like an image burned on and he carved it out himself later or, or what. It's not that clear. Yeah. I like how the flashback scenes, they're not as detailed as the regular story. You know what I'm saying? Like the, like the scene where uh, the, they're fighting the anti-monitor and everything. Well, also, they, they kind of have like a haze to them. Yeah, that was cool. I feel, I feel like I'm kind of skipping around here and, and not really knowing what to say about these issues. I, I, I attribute that to the fact that I don't know if I like this storyline or not. I, I already know that I like it better than I did the previous Green Lantern Corps storyline. Yeah. Infinitely better than that. But I don't know. I feel like they haven't ever. Like you guys have said it on the podcast before. They haven't captured Kyle in a really long time. Like his voice and everything, who this character is, they I, I feel like they're trying, they're getting there. There's some things that Kyle does and or says that almost seem like you know, hey, Kyle's back, and then the next page he's bitching again. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like you know, maybe after this storyline's done, they might be there. You know, I but he's getting better, but it's taking it them too long to get there. And I'm gonna, I might lose interest. Yeah, they. I feel like in this story they're kind of going like two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. You know, so like they're getting closer, they're inching closer, like slowly. You know, like you have him. It's like I was trained by Batman. Like this is my awesome, you know, battle armor suit. I can, you know, take on any threat. And then it's like, oh crap! Here's a threat that I can't take on. I need help. You know, yeah. Let me run to Sinestro for help. I mean, like even in the first issue, when those uh, when those uh, Sinestro Corps members come up to him, he like pokes one of them in the face, and he's like, 
You're talking to the guy who went toe-to-toe with your master, who beat Parallax, who mopped the floor with everyone from Mongol to Oblivion. You still want a piece? And I was like, hell yeah, Kyle's back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he's coming into his own, and he's like, you know what? Screw you. I, I am Kyle Rayner. I was the freaking torchbearer. I'm going to take you on. And then a few pages later, he's gone again. It's like, I think they've got him, but at the same time, they don't. Or maybe they play that beginning part up because of the fact that they're about to knock him down a few pegs, you know, with the coming storyline. Like that's, that's the other option. Like, maybe, they, maybe they, they don't have him at all. And they said, okay, well, since we're going to piss off a bunch of Kyle fans by making him look like this weakling against the Weaponer, it's like, let's boost him up for a little bit here, you know? He'll, yeah. you know, he'll get like he'll get in a line about how he was trained by Batman, and he gets an awesome punch, you know, uppercut to Sinestro, and then we're gonna completely kick his ass by Sinestro to make sh- make it seem that Sinestro is such a great warrior. You know, it's you know, it, it, even in this, they said it's like you know, Ganthet said it's like, well, you know, if if he's you know what I think he is, then he'll be able to defeat Sinestro without a problem, and, and it's like. You know, well, okay, well, if he can defeat Sinestro, then it makes sense because Sinestro just defeated Kyle. You know, so it's almost like they're trying to establish the threat levels of these characters, and they're doing it in like way too obvious way. Yeah, you don't really need to say anything about it, though. I mean the the fact that he's got a weapon, like you're just showing the fact that his weapon can morph into anything. And if you've been reading Brightest Day for any amount of issues you know where this white net came from so you don't have have to establish it any more than that and the fact i mean just the art alone conveys how huge this dude is you're over exaggerating how powerful this guy is and it's affecting your story yeah yeah next issue please and this issue you have the rest of the weaponers of quard you know they're uh they see that there's a commotion going up with the the weaponer, and uh, they're going to investigate. Meanwhile, the weaponer is now taking on five Green Lanterns, or make that four because Kyle, you know, sneaks away to go uh, try and save Saranic. And uh, you know, with his his magical wish shield, he starts creating weapons. Um, the weaponer, and uh, his first step is to take out Ganthet. With um, a feedback snare. Uh, next up, he takes out he takes out Bodica, the Alpha Lantern, by smashing her in the chest with his hammer. That's all it takes, I guess. And uh, he whips John Stewart in the face with I don't know some kind of white energy net that also blinds him uh, and leaves a sticky residue. Then he goes to fight Hanu, and then we cut away because, uh, well, there's a, there's a good reason for why they cut away. But, uh, you know, you have Kyle searching for Saranic. He's, uh, he sees a ring first. He's about to try and get that, but uh, Saranic stops him. They go and they grab a couple of weapons from the weaponer's closet of weapons. Then they head outside, and you see that, that everybody has been dispatched with. The Weaponer has their Green Lantern rings tied to his white net on his shield. He's currently hammering giant white energy pins 
into Hanu's joints to pin him to the ground. Um, and that's why they didn't show him take out Hanu because uh, it really would be pretty unbelievable to see Hanu get taken out. So they just skip over that whole concept and uh, show him being taken out. <laughs> and at that point, Ganthet, you know, he, he thinks this is probably the best opportunity to start vomiting. <laughs> but you're, uh, oh no, I'm trapped. <laughs> What's my best defense mechanism? I know, I'll vomit blood. Uh, but the the vomit blood turns into atrocitus. Um, yeah, it's a, a communication from Atrocitus to get to Earth to honor his promise. You know, Ganthet explains that he had gone into the secret deal with uh, Guy Gardner and uh, Atrocitus. Ganthet would search Oa as uh, the Green Lantern of Sector Zero, and uh, Guy Gardner would be searching the uh, the cosmos way out west. You know, whatever. You know, as they're you know explaining all of this, all, all of a sudden up comes Ceranic with a giant gun to try and take out the Weaponer. I don't know what she thinks that's going to do, but uh, at the same time, the Weaponers get to the Weaponer. The, the other Weaponers get to the main Weaponer, and they want to kill him too. Yeah, he's just kind of stuck in the middle with two people wanting to kill him. Uh, to make it even better... A uh, giant yellow lightning storm, you know, starts getting generated in the sky. It's the whole Sinestro Corps, apparently. Uh, we only see about 20, but apparently it's the whole Sinestro Corps minus Sinestro. So uh, that's going to be one more group of people that wants to uh, take out some revenge on the Weaponer. <sighs> I don't know what to think about this issue. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is one that's really going to uh, it's going to be judged by the end of the story. I think. Let me let, let me let me go ahead and skip to the very end. Hey, look! It's the whole Sinestro Corps. There's Crib. There's Low Mash. Carousel. Romat Rue. Oh, and wait! Arkillo apparently has his tongue back, and Lisa Drax, who we haven't seen since. Uh, I'll just call him the hooded dude so I don't spoil anything. Since the hooded dude pulled her out of the Book of Black. <laughs> Why she's there, I don't know. Why Arkillo has his tongue back when in the first issue of this storyline, we could clearly see it still hanging around his neck. I don't know. But apparently... Wait a second. Hasn't Bedovian been like MIA since the Sinestro Car War? I think so. I thought he was dead. I guess not. I I, I, re, I think I asked that question before on the forums, and I think someone pointed it out to me. I don't know. I haven't gone back and read it since they answered it, but I think the lethal force enabled thing happened after John took him out with a sniper rifle. So I guess he just stunned him and got him off the table for a little bit. I don't know. And it looks like you got a Sinestro Corps member from the same race as uh, Salak. Except his head is smaller. And his limbs are made of rubber. <laughs> it's Elastic Man. <laughs> oh, and a Sinestro Corps member from the same race as Stell. Have we seen that before? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been around before. Okay, oh, I didn't know that. Is he the same race as Stell? He looks like a robot to me. Well, he's definitely a robot. I don't know if he's from the same race. I can't remember. 
Oh, and Crib Crib's been collecting babies again. Yeah, well, that's what she does. I'm just I I can't get over the fact that somehow Arkillo has his tongue back when two issues before they clearly thought enough to draw his tongue around his neck. Yeah, yeah, the Lissa Drac thing is kind of kind of a glaring thing as well. Okay, go. Sorry, I had to bitch about that. Go ahead and throw in your what do you, what do you think of the issue overall? Overall, I thought this one was kind of weak. I mean, again, like I still I still enjoy the art, although. The the scene with the net going around Gambit, it looks like it's something out of an Archie comic. And, you know, I, not that Archie, you know, art is bad at all. It's just that, it you know, it all goes from looking very actiony and every and very cool, to this one scene where it looks like it's something out of a cartoon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean, I imagine that might have a lot to do with inking and coloring and trying to get like the white energy effect going on with this net around this him but it just it comes out very odd not only that but since you pointed out this particular page i know that there's the sound effects lettered in every every issue of any comic i've read before where there's any kind of action but never before have i like i see them and i hear the sound in my head but i don't take notice of them they're just kind of there to help move the story along in this issue, and I guess a couple of the others, they're too obvious. They're they're distracting. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like when Ganthet falls to the floor, wump. Yeah. And then when he hits Boudica in the chest, the, the sound effect is like in bold red letters right across the middle of the action. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That is a little, little odd. Oh, I mean, right there, the, another thing with that is... Apparently, you can take out an alpha lantern with a hammer. <laughs> a white lantern hammer. Get it right. No, not even. He didn't scan for anything for her. That's well, the some, hammer. Somehow. Oh, oh, okay. I thought the I thought the hammer had grown a, a point or something. I guess that's just showing motion instead. I yeah, I think so. It looks like a spike is growing out of the front, but I can't tell if that's motion or part of the hammer. I mean, if it's the well, even if it's a spike, <laughs> it's a hammer, and she's an alpha lantern. I I mean, yeah, that's 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 odd. Yeah, you would think you would think the Owen metal that the battery is comprised of would be able to stand up against you know stone. Yeah, yeah, you would think that the the metal that a lantern battery is made of would be able to stand up from like the force of a bullet let alone a hammer. The 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 way that they take out John... Okay, to take out John by taking out his eyesight, it's an interesting idea. I like that part. The mm-hmm. But the father, like, how they actually did it, like, he has a whip, he whips John in the eyes, and then a second later, it looks like he got shot in the face with, like, web fluid by Spider-Man. And then, like, a couple of pages later... He's got like, you know, bandages around his eyes that you know, like, he, like he was roped up around the eyes. So I mean, like that—that that doesn't make any sense. Something happens that I, uh, I saw, but I didn't really think about the implications. On on the page where you see John like hogtied, the shield has picked up their rings and it's tied to the net now. Yeah, I, I said that while I gave the synopsis. 
I saw it. I saw it happening, but I didn't think of the implications of that. Like, what are they going to do with that now? Yeah. Well, I mean, like that. That at least would make a little bit of sense as far as like if he was going to drain some energy off of them to do whatever. Like that's how his shield recharges or something. Yeah, but I really doubt that they're going to do that. Now, I can't take credit for this because when I was talking about this issue on the forum, someone else said it. But what they said was, you see him taking down everybody, and then Hanu goes up against him, you know, talking a lot of trash, and then we cut to Kyle and Sora. And then the next time we see Hanu, he's being crucified to the ground. Right. We don't... How the hell did he take him out in the first, but we don't know. Exactly. Yeah, it... It doesn't, because, like, that, and that's what I said, like, you know, you, it's almost impossible to take out Hanu. Like, he's like their, he's the Green Lantern that they only call in when they need somebody to, like, you know, clean up the situation. You know, so, to to try and explain, you know, okay, well, I, I mean, like, like realistically what they're showing here the only way that this hammer well, well first off wait a second how is it even creating construct nails yeah i i mean like that right there like you know that oh god oh boy yeah this is one of those things that you know this is a head scratcher because first off he can't create constructs he can affect Oh, God. Everything that he did in this issue doesn't make any sense. Because he created a net around Ganthet. He created a blindfold around John. He created nails to go into Hanu. So apparently he's just creating constructs all he wants. Yeah. Well, um, I think Kyle said something about how the uh, ring is acting like a... Or the the shield is acting like a... Yeah, it says... uh, he had a hammer that could morph into pretty much anything he wanted. It was like a weird variation on the whole power ring concept. So he even says weird variation. Like he even they don't know what the hell's happening. Yeah, like like they came up with this idea, but they didn't bother to flesh it out, so it can do whatever they wanted to do. And yeah, like like realistically the only way that you could take out Hanu is if he's he took a nap and lied down and then you know, the the weaponer got three nails in and then decided to start on the fourth. <laughs> I, that's 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 pretty much it. Because he's, he's hammering the last nail in and Hanu is, like, just screaming in pain. Like, if nothing else, Hanu would be kicking him in the face. Yeah, well, <laughs> the same panel I was talking about where John is hogtied, you can see, like, the bottom half of Hanu in the background. And there's no nails in him. He's just laying there, and then you turn the page, and he's driving the fourth nail in. <laughs> and I thought, I thought once a power, like okay, in Blackest Night, when Kyle grabs the power battery and sacrifices himself, isn't uh, the power battery in Boudica's chest the same thing? Like a bomb waiting to go off if it gets broken? Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's a rupturing battery that should really explode and take them all out. But it's just shooting energy off into space, and she's just laying there unconscious. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, you know, breaking the battery like that wouldn't kill her automatically anyway. It would just 
you know, make her lose power. Yeah, but it should explode, and everyone's just still hanging around. And I guarantee you, it's not going to explode in the next issue. I mean, for God's sake, they they put Arkillo's tongue back on him. Yeah. It's not going to explode. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll actually probably stop uh, stop fizzing by next issue on its own. Well, I guess the the only question I had for you about all of this is what do you think because we the lantern cast hasn't covered the the newest issues of emerald warriors so what do you think of our quote-unquote first glimpse of the pact made between our atrocitus guy and ganthet okay i think it makes sense that ganthet would want to be searching oa and have guys search the edges of the cosmos that part makes sense I think it's odd that a guardian would have to be contaminated with uh, blood, you know, rage blood, um, in order to keep in contact. I mean, he's a guardian. Like, really, they they should be able to find a way around that. Well, not only that, but remember in Blackest Night when they started recruiting everybody, he said that the ring was based off of Owen technology, and that's how he could duplicate every other one. And now Ganthet himself has a ring. Atrocitus has a ring. Why can't he just link up the communications between that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or create a red ring for himself just to wear around his neck that he could use to keep in contact. Like Lobo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like I like how uh, Ganthet and everybody like apparently all the everyone's known all along who the hooded guardian is because Ganthet says. A threat whose identity I recognized. Yeah, no, he knew, but he wasn't going to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, that that's another thing. This is Ganthet, the one that's, you know, not a human, but it's close to feeling emotions and doing everything. Why, why is he still keeping these secrets, these devastating secrets? Hasn't he, out of all the Guardians, shouldn't he realize, of all people... That keeping secrets is gonna come and bite them in the ass, like that's that's blackest night right there because they didn't tell him that the entity was in the earth and didn't you know at least let the gar- the Green Lanterns of Earth know hey, there's a reason your planet is uh, being targeted by everybody, so maybe you need to pay attention a little more to what's happening around your sector. Yeah, and because they didn't, we get blackest night. Yeah, so I mean, like, who do you even blame for the problems of this issue? Like, you know, like the thing with the tongue, I mean, that that's kind of a that I think that's an artist problem. But the whole, you know, taking Hanu out with the nails like that's that's a writer thing. Like that's like, you know, oh, yeah, OK, I'm going to take out. You know, we're not going to show how we took out Hanu. But in this next scene, you're going to have him with giant nails in his body. I'm going to keep buying Green Lantern Corps. And everything, uh, not just because of the podcast and everything, or brightest day. I just, I like having three Green Lantern books, you know. And this is better than the Alpha Lantern storyline and the whole Cyborg Superman thing. But now that we're actually reviewing it and taking a closer look at it. Yeah, it doesn't hold up under scrutiny. No. I mean, they're not bad issues, but they're not, you can't call them great either. I mean, I, like, I, I want to be a writer. That's one of my talents. I almost feel like if there's a way to get these issues and, you know, keep the regular ones, but then somehow get a hold of ones that are just art, I could rewrite it better than this. 
Like, you know, even even come up with some kind of convoluted reason that Arkillo has a tongue. Like, I I could write this better. Well. But granted, that's only after knowing where they're going with it, but. You know, the, the Arkillo with the tongue. I mean, that's that's just a simple mistake that they really should have caught with editorial. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should blame. Uh, who is it we should blame? Who's the editor? Adam Schlagman. Yes. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Adam. Come on. You got to stay on top of this. That's right. But we a lot of the problem is the dialogue, remember? With whole Kyle sounding whiny and everything. You could have written that better. Yeah. I mean, in this particular issue, I don't think he sounded as whiny. <laughs> but he still sounded whiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you really bring Sinestro? Not exactly. The jerk doesn't care if you live or die. <laughs> I mean, like... It, it, his dialogue was passable. This issue, I have, you know, I, I'll, I'll give him that. the The Kyle dialogue was okay, but the way this weaponer t- took out the honor guard, and that's another thing. It's the honor guard. Supposedly, like these should be the best of the best. You know, like last issue, you you know, you set these guys up as the best of the best, and then you know, you take them all out with this. It's like, like I said, you're you're just you're you're trying to establish the threat level. You know, you you say, "Oh, well this guy's the strongest." Oh no, and this guy just took him out. No problem. You know, like ah, that's just crummy. Yeah, I see I see what you're saying and and that brings up a point. I think what the last few issues of Greenland and Core that were you Corwin helped you cover that, right? Was that uh, I think that was with James. James. Oh yeah, James. I think James said something, or or the conversation you guys had at the end of that was, why the hell did they just randomly make these guys Honor Guard members? Right. Because Green Lanterns have done a lot tougher stuff than that, <laughs> and still haven't been promoted to Honor Guard. You didn't, you didn't need to promote them to Honor Guard to bring them into this book. They already have status with the fans. We know who Boudica and Hi- and Hanu are. You can simply bring them in because one's a freaking alpha lantern and the other one is the dude you call in when shit starts going bad and ganthet he's a freaking guardian and john well guy's off doing something else and it makes sense that kyle would team up with his other earth friend i I half expected them to do something with these characters more now that they're honor guard but there's really no reason for them to be honor guard they they get taken out within the first few minutes <sighs> i don't know i love the art I, I i yeah i mean like you know aside from like tiny little mistakes here and there i i love the art too like the the cover to well i don't know did you get the uh the regular cover for 54 um the sinestro versus rainer yes yeah that's awesome yeah that's it you know it's, it reminded me of uh mortal kombat yeah, or or Street Fighter. Yeah, I want a video game, but all I have is a, uh, is a Super Nintendo, so I don't think that'll work. But the, the I like the, the I I don't know much about art, but I like the dark lines. I like I like the 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 way Ney Rufino does it, like the in uh, in fifty three when when you see um, the weaponer making Sinestro's ring, just the shadows playing off of his body and his helmet and his eyes as he's as the fire flickers next to him and everything. That's that's just awesome. The coloring is 
incredible. I love Nae Rufino. Everything she does is just spot on. But the art by itself, like I, I'm a pretty visual person. I can like I can see how this would look without the color, and it looks great. I like the defined lines. I like, I like the detail, like right down to the shadows, the shadow lines on on the weaponer's muscles and stuff like that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not much of an artistic person outside of like writing, but this is this is cool stuff. I can appreciate this. This is this is nice. Yeah, definitely. No, it definitely. It's uh, it's definitely good art. I mean, you know, it's a shame that the story isn't, you know, as as good as the art is. I would say, I like in uh, the it was issue fifty four, um, that that one double page spread where you're in the the Weaponer's castle. Yeah. If you look at his arm, there's there's no carved out hammer symbol. Yeah. And the shadow on his arm doesn't even justify that. Yeah. It's like, you know, you think, it's like, oh, there's a shadow, so maybe you just can't see it. But really, like, you can see so much of his arm, you would have to have been able to see, like, the smallest part of it. And the next page is back again. I don't even know what he's doing there. He's, like, cutting little pieces of wire or something. I guess he's creating his dimensional incursion detector. <laughs> why? Why would a dude who can traverse stars need a telescope <laughs> or why would this guy who's got like awesome like maps and da vinci inspired kind of models and the swirling staircase and all this stuff need candles that are melting towards the table with a skull next to it I, that just seems out of place to me yeah the dude's like the villain in this story but it seems even out of place for him i mean i think that's just there for ambiance He's got a Green Lantern captive. I mean, that's it's it's dark. The only light is coming from that those candles and the and the dimensional incursion detector. But I'm just just the skull. There's really no need need for the skull. It's out of place with everything else. Maybe that's just me. No, that's actually not the dimensional incursion machine. No, no, that's the that that light is the uh, the ring holder. It is the dimensional incursion detector, isn't it? Or is it just that thing only lights up? Are those two different machines? Yeah, it's two completely different machines. Oh, okay, never mind. Well, then that doesn't make any sense. Oh, and then even though he's got all the, like this, you know, ancient technology and um, candles and whatnot, off to the other side, he's got like a supercomputer with screens that are you know blaring <laughs> images and stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever. We're done with this for now. Yeah, we we had plans to do some other things. This is this is running kind of long, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Uh, but first, uh, let's let's give a shout out to Comic Book to Chad. Yeah, comicbook.com. These guys were the, over here. Uh, it's a website led by uh, I'm gonna butcher his last name, uh, Will Sawalski, something like that. And uh, it's like Newsarama or something. They do articles based off of uh, comic books, comic movies, stuff like that. They got a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people actually working for them. And they were kind enough to give us an article and, you know, pimp the show because they, they have a character of the month thing. And their character of the month for December was Larflees. So, you know, with the Larflees report and everything, uh, Will got in contact with me and... Um, you know, Will decided to 
pimp the lantern cast free of charge for to to tie it all together with the the character of the month thing and that and that was really cool. So they should all check out comic booked. Is it is there a dash between comic and booked? No, it's one word comicbooked.com. That's C O M I C B O O K E D in case you can't hear the subtle booked. <laughs> and it, and we're not we're not just pimping them because they pimped us, you know. It's not it's not just returning the favor. It's it's a good website. There's some funny articles, there's some interesting articles. You know, one of the one of the writers, one of the articles I read, they um they talked about how one of them made uh an iron you know in Iron Man 2, when those girls are dancing, she made an outfit for that, and she was talking about that. Uh, they actually uh, pimp Scott, or, or not Scott, uh, Sean, Sean Pryor, the, an action lab. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and there's a whole article on that, too. And speaking of action lab, go to kickstarter.com and search for action lab and donate to these guys uh, to get their comic their uh, their comic book fractured up off the ground and if you do that hey maybe we'll get jason back on the forums yes there's uh, only a limited amount of time i know i donated come on everybody you gotta get involved and uh like i said only a limited amount of time left and uh help make it happen yeah it's i'm not just being funny and trying to trying to you know pimp action lab for some more laughs or anything but this it's it's I've checked it out. I've looked at the video the video Sean posted, and the comic is is a cool idea. Uh, in the video, it shows even more clips of the art. I like the art. It just seems really cool. It's definitely worth it. They only need oh I, I can't remember. It was like at twenty seven hundred or something last time I heard it. I, I looked at the site, but uh, they need thirty six hundred dollars, and it's I think the it's going to be open to to donate until. January 17th or something? Not entirely sure, but uh, they can check it out by going to Kickstarter. So to to close us out, because, yeah, we got to go. Two seconds. Oh, sorry, i got to throw this in there. I checked my mail today. I got something from John Godwin, and uh, in the Christmas episode, he told me he felt bad and wanted to send me something. He actually sent me the, the music of DC Comics 75th anniversary CD. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that was really cool. So I want to throw out a pimp for John. Uh, he sells comics. Go to eBay and type in Meow Comics, M-E-O-W, like a cat's meow, comics, and uh, buy from him. Okay, so if you want to get in contact with us, it's lanterncast at gmail.com, or we all have our own individual email addresses at it's uh, Jim or Chad or Dan or Jason or James at lanterncast.com. Our website, coincidentally enough, is lanterncast.com. There you can go. There's a link to the forums, a link to our Facebook page. It's got all of our episodes. Uh, our forum is uh, a really you know fun and warm place to go to discuss Green Lantern. It's kind of like a family. Everybody's welcome. Uh, join up with our Facebook page. We're on iTunes. Just do a search for Lanterncast. We have a voicemail. Uh, it's It's the newest one. Uh, we've had it for a little while now. It's 206-202-1159. So update your uh, phone contacts and give us a call. And uh, eventually may, we may actually get to playing our voicemails again. But uh, Yeah, you might want to play those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's we, we kind of lose out on the whole timely aspect. But uh, <laughs> uh, we do what we can. Okay, so everybody tune in next week. We'll have actual 
issues of Green Lantern to review, finally. Dan- and a Larfley's report. Yes, and a Larfley's report. And uh, it'll be fun times. So uh, that's, uh, that's it. So long, everybody. All right.